We are encouraged when people take the time, open their Bibles, and join with other Christians to study. In this episode from Philippians chapter 1, our study is located in verses 19 through 26. This is class content provided for July the 22nd, 2020, and this covers Philippians 1, 19 through 26. We know this. Paul was restrained as he wrote this to the Christians in Philippi, like a house arrest arrangement. He uses the term imprisonment. It is clear that he enjoyed a rich, warm relationship with these Christians in Philippi. Paul was not depressed or in despair over his situation. In fact, the keynote word in this New Testament epistle is joy. This joy was a product of his faith in Christ and can be a product of our faith in Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, we will continue now at verse 19. Philippians chapter 1, I'm continuing to read at verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is far more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. We were talking Sunday about the Apostle Paul's mature perspective of faith that enabled him to have so much endurance and stamina. Unjustly imprisoned, undergoing persecution, yet filled with joy. Verse 19 shows two dependable resources Paul relied on, the prayers of Christians and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He looked for a good deliverance. I think he means his ultimate deliverance from harm. He looked for this good deliverance with courage and hope, depending on the prayers of Christians and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Let me take the latter part of that, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Some believe this is the aid of the Holy Spirit. Others believe this is not specifically the Holy Spirit. Rather, it is the attitude or spirit Christ exhibited 
in his life that Paul followed. We may not settle that. It is certain, however, that this help came from heaven to equip and enable Paul to bear up under the circumstances of trial through the activity of his faith in Christ. The other source of help for Paul was the prayers of the Christians in Philippi. I hope we never treat this with any sort of triviality. It is so easy to say, pray for me. All the time we tell people we are praying for them. May that never become just something we say, just a formality, a habit, a custom, an announcement. Consider, there isn't anything Christians can do for us that packs more power than prayer because it connects with God. Paul counted on, that is to say, he relied, he depended on Christians praying for him. We are learning here in this verse how Paul dealt with difficulty. His attitude was, it will all turn out fine. The ultimate outcome he knew would be his future reality. The good outcome promised by God, sought out by saints in prayer, and pursued by Paul through the activity of his faith. It would all turn out okay. Verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. I don't like to be in a situation where I just guess what the outcome might be, not knowing for certain. An illustration. When I was in the Philippine Islands preaching in 1981, we were in a jeep crossing a field with a wildfire approaching us not far behind, and the jeep stalled. And the fire was fast approaching and we were carrying about 400 gallons of gas in plastic containers in the back. Now, the Filipinos told me uh, the ignition was out. That would have to be hot-wired. I said, well, what are you waiting for? Hot-wired. They said, we don't do electrical work. Didn't have time to argue with them about that, so I just reached under the dash and pulled out two wires and touched them together. I was just guessing, and the Jeep started, and we took off away from the fire. Now, that had a good outcome, but I was just guessing. I didn't know the color code of those wires that I wrapped together. We don't like to do that. We want certain outcome that gives us assurance. Paul was not guessing about how his situation would come out. Listen to this language again. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Did you hear the certainty of that? Because of his faith in Christ and his activity of faith in his life, he had this profound certainty that became his stamina when being persecuted. Expectation, hope, 
full courage. He knew it wouldn't turn out in a bad way. He knew it wouldn't be something later he would regret or be ashamed of. We can have such expectation the same way Paul had it by the activity of faith. Now, an important part of this is the phrase, whether by life or by death. People who do not live by faith or have faith in only a weak and undeveloped sense concentrate on only one outcome, life. While there may be expectations, generally the expectation and hope is to get out of difficulty, be healthy and free and prosperous and not die. Yet to Paul, it was like sort of a toss-up. His attitude was, no matter if I live a while longer or I'm ex executed tomorrow, I'm not ashamed, and Christ will be honored in my body. Now, be careful how you think of this. This courage is not something God gave only to the apostles. This was not something the Holy Spirit somehow imposed into Paul against his will. All this was based on his faith in Christ, and that means we too can have such courage and such hope. Verse 21 explains further this perspective of mature faith. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Living or dying, either way, Paul was satisfied. His earthly life was consumed in serving Christ. His death would bring him close to Christ in a union that would be far better. So this speaks to Paul's trust in the will of God. Either way, Paul was satisfied to be a servant of Christ and a recipient of God's grace. We learn from this. If we will develop this depth of faith, it will not really matter much to us. Either way, we are servants of Christ and we enjoy God's grace and we know what the outcome God promised will be to his people. Now, there was an element of dilemma for Paul. While he did not complain or resist either option, there remained an element of dilemma, and that's captured. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. It is clear from these verses, if he had nothing but his personal choice to consider, the prospect of death might be preferable. To die could be nothing but sheer gain for anyone who lived for Christ because those who live for Christ, it can be said to die is gain. But there's another consideration that takes Paul in another direction. It is captured by the phrase fruitful labor. He was doing necessary work for people like those in Philippi. And he was spreading the gospel even through the prison guards. So as it reads in verse 23, in some translations, Paul says, 
I am torn between the two. Or he says, I am hard-pressed between the two. So there is this element of dilemma, an element of dilemma in Paul's perspective, but not dilemma that creates any despair. His desire to depart and be with Christ is moderated by his interest in the Lord's work on earth that would be helpful for the guards he reached with the gospel and the Christians in Philippi he was writing to. That's a beautiful thing to say about someone, that they're ready to be with the Lord, yet they are devoted to stay here on earth and work for people to have good spiritual benefit. As Paul weighed all of this, he became convinced that continue on earth for a little longer was a necessity. His survival for a little while longer, even under hard conditions, would benefit his fellow Christians. And we call that sacrifice. Giving up being with Christ, which would be far better to serve Christians here on earth even though the circumstances were not ideal, and we call that sacrifice. Convinced of this, Paul said, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. There is a word here, in addition to that word sacrifice. There's another word here I want to concentrate on progress. This word as used from the Greek into English here describes not merely moving ahead, but doing so against obstacles, against pressure. See, it is one thing to do the Lord's work when you are not in jail, not under threat, no death penalty, but to carry on the Lord's work against pressure and obstacles. That is the kind of progress early Christians had to make. I tell you, we have it pretty comfortable, don't we? In fact, very comfortable compared to the early Christians and compared to other Christians who are in third world countries today. I don't know of a gospel preacher in this country in jail for preaching the gospel. I don't know of a church in America forbidden to preach the gospel. We live in very comfortable times as Christians, yet we may not be taking full advantage of all these blessings. Now, uh, I don't know how long our current condition will last. It may be very different for our children and our great-grandchildren. But compared to the Roman Empire, we have blessings of freedom and opportunity now unknown to Paul and the Christians in Philippi. I say to you, it is imperative that we develop such maturity of faith now that we are ready for future oppression 
should that be our situation? Philippians 1, 9 through 26. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample calls to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Time for our wrap-up. This entire passage should help us concentrate every day on the good outcome God has promised to his people. Paul had that focus in verse 19, this will turn out for my deliverance. He had that focus in verse 21, to die's gain. If I really believe what the Bible says, and I respond in obedience to Jesus Christ, and live in a manner worthy of the gospel, I can have the hope Paul had. I can rejoice in this expectation that has certainty attached to it. And this hope provides the courage to get through whatever my situation is now here on earth, whatever it may become. God has promised a good, eternal outcome to his people. There is something far better than the best that we have here on earth. But there's another part of this. That is, knowing that when you exhibit courage against opposition, it always honors Christ. When you exhibit courage against opposition, it always honors Christ. Verse 20 is an important part of this. That with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. It is not just a cause, agenda, tradition, or movement, or even just a legacy. It is not just that we were loyal to the commitments that we made when we were baptized. Christ is honored when we exhibit courage and faith against opposition. Paul was constantly aware of giving glory to God and honoring Christ. It wasn't personal achievement. Verse 26 says, so that in me you may have ample cause to, glorify, uh, to glory in Christ Jesus. That high motive should be firmly implanted in us by the word of God. Here's something simple. Prayer changes things. 
Paul knew this, and the Christians in Philippi knew this. There are several statements written by Paul reflecting this. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, Philemon 22, James 5, 16 through 18. Can you imagine standing before God? And he says, why didn't you pray about that? Oh, I forgot. I didn't have time. I don't know how God is going to deal with what I pray about, but I want him to deal with it according to his will. I'm so thankful you've joined us in this study of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 26. Next time, we'll continue at verse 27. Thank you for watching.